And let me just start by saying good morning and welcome to worship again. Welcome especially to those of you who are joining us by video right now. I'm really glad that you're here. You're in our contemporary service right now or maybe joining us online. And it's terrific that we can be together and learn together from the Word of God and grow together in response to this Word, grow together in life in the way of Jesus. You know, we're almost at the end of a series right now, a series called Breakthrough that we started on kickoff Sunday about a month ago. And it's been a series where we're learning about the breakthrough of God in Christ into our lives and how we receive that breakthrough and live in the ways of the kingdom of God. But in two weeks, we're starting a new series, and I just want to quickly tell you about it. It's called Ancient Roots, and this series is designed to help us learn about and explore the ancient central teachings of the Christian faith. And in particular, we're going to be learning from something that Christians call the Apostles' Creed, something we say together very often in worship. It is a central summary of what Christians have believed from the very beginning in every time and every place. And we're going to learn about that and how it still matters today. And on the first week of that series, on October 16th, which is two weeks from today, we've planned a different kind of worship experience for our whole church family to gather together in one place here in our traditional sanctuary. And it's going to be a different service than our traditional service and a different service than our contemporary service. It's meant to help us remember and imagine what it was like to gather as Christians for worship nearly 2,000 years ago and hopefully build unity with Christians who have lived in every age and also help us listen to what God is saying to us in ways that are always ancient and always fresh at the same time. So that's on October 16th, and we'll be all together for worship that day here in our traditional sanctuary in an ancient roots worship service. Now, today we are in the second last week of our Breakthrough series. And as we've been learning how to live in the breakthrough of God, We've been talking about the way that our life together as a church is organized into worship services and growth groups and service commitments, the way that we serve the world. And last week we learned about our group life. We talked about the connection event that's today, an easy way to get connected to a growth group. Today I want to talk to you about our worship life. And let me begin by sharing with you my own first memory of a worship service. In fact, when I was a pretty little kid, my family didn't have a church home yet. My parents had been raised as churchgoers and kind of fell out of that habit as they got older. And then as my sister and I were growing older, when I was about five years old or so, they decided that we would start looking for a church. And so I can still remember, not that clearly, though some parts of it are clear, I have these vague and clear memories of the first worship service I ever attended. And although I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit it to you, I hate to say it, this is, the, this is the strongest impression of my first worship service. I do not like this. <laughs> it, it was boring to me. It was uncomfortable. It was long. In fact, I didn't think it was ever going to end. And all these things were happening. And I kind of remember telling my mom afterward, and she said, oh, yeah, that's even longer than usual. Like there's some sort of special thing was happening that day. I don't know, have any idea what it was. And then I found out when the service was over and they let us out and we could take a deep breath and it felt so good that it was over, then I found out we were doing it again next week. <laughs> and I, You know, honestly, I don't think it was anything in particular about the content or form of that service. It was that as a kid, I had no idea what we were doing. And obviously there are people in the room for whom this was rich and inspiring and meaningful and important, and they kept doing it every week. They'd been there before, and they still came back for it. So there was clearly something I wasn't getting. And the people who were leading that service or the parents sitting with me at that point, again, this was new for all of us again, they weren't really ready to explain to me what was happening. So I felt really 
detached from it. I just had to endure it. I didn't know what we were doing or why we were doing it. I think that that is probably not unlike what a lot of us continue to experience. That worship on Sunday mornings for Christians can be difficult and challenging and also rich and meaningful and inspiring. And probably at some point you have asked yourself, what are we doing there again and why am I making myself go there? Let me play a little image game with you. I'm going to ask you, have you ever had one of these thoughts of, I could rather be doing this than going to church on Sunday morning? You don't don't have to answer out loud, but take a look at these pictures over here with me. Have you ever thought of, has that ever been attractive on a Sunday morning? Maybe, I don't know. Um, how, How about this one? Kids, anybody, were you watching cartoons this morning and your mom and dad said, it's time to go to church, and you were like, but mom, maybe cartoons, uh, Anybody ever experienced this? Because beautiful Sunday mornings like this happen all year in Minnesota. But sometimes there's a little pressure to get out and enjoy one. Or maybe what you really want to do on Sunday morning is right there, right? I had a friend in college who called this the Church of the Holy Comforter. I'm just going to stay. I'm I'm attending the Church of the Holy Comforter this morning. Or maybe you need a little bit of me time, just a little cup of coffee, maybe a newspaper if you still get one of those. Maybe you read it on your iPad. I don't know but just a little bit of me time on Sunday morning that you're thinking, I would rather do something like that. Or maybe you have a busy life and there's not a lot of free time in your life and this hour maybe feels like it's a little bit negotiable. I could take advantage of this hour and leverage it in other ways. Do you have any yard work that you need to do on Sunday morning? Ever thought, I gotta catch up on this or it's never gonna happen. It hasn't stopped raining for weeks. It's finally time to mow the grass. How about housework? Anybody gotta do any housework? It's evil and it must be stopped, right? Anybody got to do any homework? Any of you who are students, maybe you didn't quite get all your homework done on Friday right after school or yesterday, and now today this is a chance to squeeze that in. Or it's possible you may have some activities planned for today. Football, hockey, basketball, dance, soccer. Man, I get it. My kids are the age for that. They're not the age of the kids in this picture yet, but my kids are the age for that. These are challenges for us, right? And I kind of saved one more because I know this one doesn't apply to anybody. But has anybody ever felt a little conflict between Sunday morning worship and this little thing called the NFL, little Vikings action? We heard this morning already the Vikings are playing on Monday night this weekend. So that probably means that church attendance will be a little bit high this morning because it's not no conflict. And we're all praying for a win over the Giants, right? Look, if you've ever had one of those thoughts, so have I. (laughs) I get it. I work here, and I've had every single one of those thoughts at some point in my life. And I think it causes us to ask, what exactly are we doing when we gather for worship here together, and why are we doing it? And what I'd like to do this morning is share with you three little pictures, three little scenes from the Bible that help us understand the origins of Christian worship, and then also share with you something that we use in the language of our church family, especially as our worship planners and for our church, to help communicate what are we doing here and why are we doing it. So let me first start with the story, the story of Peter and Cornelius and the communities that they are a part of. This is a really important Bible story, and we've been returning to it week after week in this series. It's a, a foundational story for the Christian family. Today, these two characters, Cornelius, who seemed to have life together on the outside, but was seeking unsuccessfully after God, 
And Peter, who was a follower of Jesus, of Jewish background, who had to be pushed by God to care about people like Cornelius, they finally come together. God has orchestrated their meeting. And in the scripture that we heard read this morning, what happened when they got together? First, it tells us that at some point in their gathering, Peter stood up and he told them the stories of Jesus. He taught them from what we now know as the Bible. He might have been telling them the words that eventually became the Gospel of Mark or something. He told them the stories of Jesus. We do that when we get together. We read the Bible and tell the stories of Jesus. They prayed in this gathering, although the word prayer is not there. It says that they heard from the Holy Spirit, listening to God as a form of prayer. It says that they praised God. They engaged in in worship and glorification of God. And they baptized some people at the end of the event. Do any of those things sound familiar at all? I mean, these are basically the kind of central activities we engage in. Why would that pattern have happened? They didn't make it up at that moment. In fact, this is what the book of Acts tells us Christians did habitually when they got together. This was the character of the activities that Christians shared. I want to read you one little summary verse. This is from Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is a fantastic like summary verse, a great memory verse. I know we got a lot of kids in worship with us today. His kids are here today. And so I want to ask us all to read this verse out loud. And kids, if you're in our contemporary service, here in our traditional service, even if you're at home in your pajamas maybe, let's all read this verse out loud together. This is Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Let's read this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Okay, let's, let's talk about those things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, when this was happening, this is probably like a month after Jesus was raised from the dead. So no one had written down the New Testament yet. They were still telling it to each other out loud. But now we call the apostles' teaching the Bible, and we do the same thing now. They would share the stories of Jesus. We read the stories of Jesus' life and how it applies to ourselves. We unpack it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. That that means building community, building relationships with each other. Very much of what we do on a Sunday morning includes being together. When we gather for worship, it's not just hundreds of people with a private line to Jesus. It's a community connected to one another, connected to God, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. Now, they did that a little differently than we do it now, but the same thing. They would share actual meals. They gathered in their homes. They shared dinner together. Meals make community, I'm fond of saying. And while they shared uh, meals in their homes, they probably also at the same time remembered the last supper that Jesus shared with his disciples to remind them of who he was and how he died for them. They probably connected full meals with what we now call communion. And we tend to separate those. We still do both. We maybe share meals together in our growth groups or other environments and communion more as part of our whole gathered worship service. And they devoted themselves to prayer. Much of what we do when we gather for a worship service is some form of prayer. It's a spoken prayer. It's a sung prayer. It's a written prayer. It's a spontaneous prayer. Much of what we do when we gather for worship is some form of prayer. Now, why were the first Christians doing that? Well, they learned it from Jesus. Let me drive it back one level farther. Luke chapter 4, verse 16, one of the very first public acts of Jesus. It says, Luke chapter 4, verse 16, describes what Jesus was doing this way. He, Jesus, went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. It was his hometown. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. That was his place of worship, sort of like going to church for us, as was his custom. And then he stood up to read. 
So Jesus went to church, you might say. And in fact, one week this summer, I was away on vacation. Pastor Angie was teaching, and she said something so memorable and important, people are still quoting it back to me. If Jesus went to church every Sunday, don't you think it's probably a good idea for us? Reasonable point. Thank you, Angie. <laughs> Jesus went to church. on the, He went to the synagogue every Sabbath day, as was his custom. We know, not from this verse, but from other records of first century synagogue gatherings, that they prayed together. There were some prayers, some written prayers that we still have today that we know that Jesus and other first century Jewish people prayed together when they gathered. It's very likely that they sang when they gathered together. In fact, we actually know their songs and their hymns. They're in the Bible. The Jewish hymnal is right in the middle of the Bible. I just opened to it right there. It's the book we now call Psalms. That was their hymnal. That was their hymn book. And then the central activity that this verse is about, that the rest of the verses in this story are about, is that Jesus took the Bible, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he read a passage from Isaiah 61, just like we read Scripture in our worship services here this morning, and then he explained what it meant for the, for the lives that they were leading and how it applied to him. It sounds very familiar, doesn't it? This is all the same activities that the first Christians started doing and we're still doing today. I guess if there was one single idea that I wanted to communicate to you from these three different scenes in the Bible, it's this. We're not making this stuff up. This is, this is not my idea, Pastor Angie's idea, your idea. This is the things, this is what Christians have been doing for thousands of years that they learned from Jesus himself, how the people of God have gathered together for worship from time immemorial. Now, let me take this from time immemorial, from ancient times, up to the present and share with you some of the ways that we think about what happens when we gather for worship together. In fact, recently, our staff leadership and our council has put together a little graphic that helps us communicate what are we doing when we gather for worship. And you see it here. You may or may not be able to read all the words. There's some content on here. But there's four pieces to this. We do four things when we gather for worship. We show up. And we celebrate a church family reunion every seven days. We show up, we engage in two-way communication with God, we grow because we encounter God in worship, and then we go be the church. We show up, we engage, we grow, and we go be the church in the world. Let me tell you what each of those things means a little bit more. First of all, we show up. Right? Somebody said to me once that 80% of life is just showing up. It's just being there. And I think that's probably, I think I've come to agree with that in my life. Being there for anything is just different than not being there for something. There's things that only happen when you're there. And once you're there, that's a big part of, of what happens when you're there. And I think that's really true for our worship gatherings. A big part of what happens in worship is that we gather, that we're there, that we're in physical, real-life community with each other. And I know that as, as the generations change, as the years move forward, we start to have all different kinds of relating to and connecting with one another online and by distance and in virtual communities. And those can be really important and helpful. And yet everyone who experiences that knows that there's yet something additional that happens when you're gathered together in physical community. And what we say here on this graphic is that we show up and we celebrate a church family reunion each week with authenticity and grace in the family of God. Now, my daughter taught me about this this week, and she has no idea that she did, but she started talking, and my ears perked up, and she said to me on Thursday morning as I was driving her to school in the morning, by the way, early in the morning on the way to school is not usually where I expect profundity from an adolescent, right? But here she, she says to me, and I, she goes, Dad, you know, 
I like to pray and to read the Bible on my own. By the way, as a father, really happy about that, right? I like that. But I like it better when we do it together. When we do it on Sunday morning and we pray together and we sing together, we learn about the Bible together. And then she said, and everybody there is so nice and they welcome each other. And I was like, right there. We celebrate a church family reunion every week. And in fact, that's, that's one of the stated goals that we have for worship when we gather is that everybody who walks in the doors will experience welcome in the family of God and welcome to the heart of God. And unsolicited, she's saying, that's what happens. And when you show up, you're the people who are creating that experience for my daughter. And, and if you never interact with her, that's okay, there's a whole bunch of us here, you're doing it for somebody else. You're being welcomed to the family of God and your very existence and manner and communication and interaction with people, you create welcome in the family of God to everybody. And that's one of the things that I wanted to say is that you may be here for the very first time this morning. You may not feel like this is a family reunion for you yet because you're not reuning with anybody. This is your first time here. And so I kind of want to say this is one of those family reunions where like everybody's welcome. You're, you're, if you're here for the first time, you're not like a wedding crasher at somebody else's party. We want everybody to experience welcome in the family of God to the heart of God. And that's what happens when we show up together. We bring our real selves. We don't leave part of us outside. Our whole person shows up and is present to one another and to God. We're welcome in the family of God. And then secondly, we engage. We engage in two-way communication with God. I'm talking about various forms of prayer here. After we show up, pretty much the first things that we do in worship are various forms of prayer, spoken prayers, sung prayers, written prayers, spontaneous prayers. I'd like to point out two movements of prayer that we share so frequently together in worship that are a big, important part of what we do together. And the first one are prayers of confession and surrender to God. And we've got a form for that. We've got a liturgical pre-written form that we use almost exactly the same way every week here in traditional worship, and it's an important part of how we open our hearts to God in worship and hear God's word of grace to us. In our contemporary service, you did this a few minutes ago too, and sometimes we do it in a different form over there. Sometimes it'll be a reading from scripture, it'll be a word of prayer, it might be something that's pre-written, it might echo the words of this confession that we use in traditional almost exactly, it might include music or something, but it's the same movement, and you did it just a few minutes ago in contemporary also. It's a very important part, and central to how we relate to God that allows us to be authentic, that allows us to come in and not have to put on a church face or a church self, but encourages us to bring our real selves to God. And in the brokenness and the pain and the sinfulness and the shame and the failure of what we experience in life, we say, this is where I'm at. And we lay it down before God. And we are reminded week by week by week that God loves us and welcomes us into his family just exactly where we are and strengthens us for life with him. That form of prayer is engaging in two-way communication with God. And we also very frequently pray what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's a model of prayer that Jesus taught his first followers when they came to him and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. We don't actually know the best way to pray. And he gave them a prayer that Christians have used since the very beginning. We often call it the Lord's Prayer. I sometimes think we might be better off calling it the Disciples' Prayer. It's a way that we followers of Jesus are apprenticed into a life of prayer to know how to pray and what to pray for. I and mean, when we don't have words of our own to be able to use the words that Jesus gave us. 
in our worship services today, we're going to use that prayer along with our communion service and all of our services of worship. And those of you who are children here with us, if you've been in his kids at all, I know that for the last few weeks, you've really been focusing on learning the words and the meaning of the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to pray that together in communion in just a few minutes. We show up. We engage in two-way communication with God. And then also, the third thing is that we grow. But when we grow, it's different than how we might think of growing in other parts of our lives. This is not a self-driven process. This is not a self-help process. We grow because we encounter God when we come to worship. And we encounter God oftentimes centrally in God's Word. And so our services are built around the public reading of the Bible. We hear directly from the Scriptures, read out loud every time we gather for worship. And then we take some time, like we're doing right now, to unpack what does that mean for our life together and what does that mean for our lives when we go from this place. We encounter God in his word. We devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, as the book of Acts said. We encounter God not only in the spoken word and in the taught and preached word, but God is so smart. God made us, and he knows that the things that come in our ears sometimes just go out the other ear. And so God gave us his word also in a physical form, in something that Christians call sacraments. That's like an embodied physical word. And in our worship service today and and in a regular pattern, we celebrate communion together. And so when we come up to the front in both of our worship services today, we're going to be hearing from God in physical stuff. And we're going to be experiencing two promises from God. The first one is, you belong here I welcome you. This is God through Jesus saying to you, you are welcome at the family dinner table in the family of God, just as you are. Jesus came into our brokenness, into our physical lives to die with and for us in the teeth of human sin. And we celebrate this meal to remember Jesus' solidarity with us and that God raised him again from the dead and welcomes us to his table. And then we also are reminded, not only does God speak that word to each and every one of us, but he speaks it to all of us together. And we come and experience this together. Meals make community, and we are brought together around the family table. And there may be other people who are a little bit ahead of you in line, a little bit down from you at the communion rail, and maybe that's somebody that, honestly, you got a little bit sideways with this week. Maybe it's somebody that you're a little bit upset with. Maybe it's somebody who might be a little bit upset with you. Maybe it's somebody that you don't even care about, you don't even know them, and they haven't learned to care about you yet. Well, in that way, this is a calling to us. It says we are a people, we are a family, and we dine together at the table in the family of God. We encounter the very presence of God in his word and in communion. And we don't encounter, the God, we don't encounter God and leave unchanged. We grow. In fact, that's also one of our stated goals for our worship services, that everyone would experience welcome in the family of God to the heart of God, And also that we would hear the teaching of Jesus every time that we gather and that we would know or be invited how to respond to that, that we would grow in our relationship with God. And then finally, the last thing that we do is we go be the church. We get sent back out into the world and all of our worship services end with some form of blessing and some form of sending. We practice one of our church values, 3165, it says on the banners in both of our worship venues, 
that the three hours a week that we might on average spend at church in a worship service, in a, a growth group, which might not even be at our building but in somebody else's house or in a service commitment somewhere, that that life would be seamlessly integrated with the 165 hours a week that we spend being the church in our homes, in our neighborhood, our workplaces, our activities. And so we take what happens here and we carry it out with us to the rest of our lives. And we finish with a blessing and ascending. And in our contemporary worship service, sometimes I finish with, with, this, with this sending, with this closing. I say, the worship service has ended. Now let the worship and the serving go on. We transition, but we don't stop. We go be the same people outside these walls that we are inside these walls. We show up, we engage, we grow, and we go be the church. This is our worship life. And I think for some people, going to church on Sunday is what it means to be church, to do church. That's what it means to be a member of church. It's actually not the whole picture. There's so much more to life than this. And I want to show you quickly one more graphic that we use here. Sometimes, some of you have maybe seen our, our vision pyramid that describes our vision for life together. In this graphic, the top of that pyramid is visible because I wanted to blow it up for you a little bit. That describes our vision for life together, and I teach about that in our Next Step lunches and in our Catalyst class that's coming up in November. But we do three things to grow in life together, and worship is one of them. We gather for worship each week on Sunday. We connect together in growth groups and we serve one another, and we serve the world. And these are the three things that as members of this church family that, that we're committed to that help us to be and to make disciples of Jesus, to live this life and to share it with others. Now, as we've reflected on the practice of the earliest Christians from the book of Acts and from Jesus' own life and talk about the things that we do when we gather together for worship, I hope that as we've read the Scriptures I believe that God's Spirit speaks to us as we gather, that we encounter God here in this place. And I can only imagine that God speaks to each of our hearts in, in highly individualized ways and prompts each of us to take next steps of growth with him. And I want to just close today by asking you to consider how God has been inviting you to grow and take a next step with him. And I honestly don't know what those are, but I, I can think of at least two different ways, that, two different categories that might fall into you know, first, it, it might be that God is speaking to you or to us about our practice of showing up, about, about being present for worship. Study after study, survey after survey shows that among practicing, professing Christians, we come to church on Sunday less and less because we have more and more to do in our lives. There's all kind of pressure on us. Our culture makes this very hard. And that's a challenge that we engage in my own family. I know it's a challenge that all of us engage and this isn't about a legalism, it's not about anything like that, but it, it can be a, a challenge about which the Spirit of God might speak to our hearts and say, what's, what's important in your life? What helps you grow with me? What helps you become the kind of person that Jesus is leading you to become? And that may be a place where God is speaking to your heart. And, and if so, don't let that moment pass. Reflect on that and listen to what God is saying to you. Or it may also be that that's something that you have made your peace with years ago, and this is a, the practice of your life is the practice of your life. And it may be that instead there's been something that, that God used to speak into your heart about what we do here and why we're doing it that helps you engage with your spirit, with the spirit of God in, an, in a new, fresh, ancient way. And if that's the case, don't let that moment pass. Listen to that also, that it may help you grow and help all of us grow together as a church family in the way of Jesus, to receive the breakthrough of God who has broken through to give us life and to live in the kingdom of God.
This happens not because we do it, but because God does it in us. So let's close this time by praying for God's work in our life together. Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you for gathering us to yourself. Thank you for the patterns of your people that we share, that we're adopted into, that have been going on since before us and will go on after us. And we pray, God, that as we gather here this morning, that you would open us up, that you would open up our hearts, break through to us and give us life, that you would teach us here, that you would make every person who's here be welcomed in the family of God to your heart, O God, to encounter you, to grow in the knowledge of your incredible grace and to grow in discipleship to Jesus. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.